Exodus chapter 5, the Lord chose Moses to come and free these two million slaves. And I think we're all honest, he probably would not have been our first pick, right? A fugitive for 40 years, a man who committed murder, running for his life, who's now, for our understanding, right? He's a used car salesman for his father-in-law's shop. And yet this is the man who God chooses to free two million people from the strongest government and world power at the time. Moses went, he found Aaron, he spoke with the Hebrew people, and they were encouraged. They worshiped the Lord, and they were excited for what was about to take place. And yet right away, Moses and Aaron are met with friction. Let's dive in, verses 1 and 2. It says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So again, Moses and Aaron, they just left the people of Israel, the slaves. They were all encouraged. They bowed down. They started worshiping the Lord right away. And now Moses and Aaron, they enter into Pharaoh's chambers. And we should give them credit for this. This was a great step of faith. There is nothing holding back Pharaoh from telling them off with their head or putting them to death right away. If you remember Joseph's brothers, they were deathly afraid when Joseph called them into his quarters because they knew there are no consequences for his decisions here on earth. He could have done whatever he wanted and no one could have put up a fight. So we got to give him props for doing this. But now realize how Pharaoh answers. Who is the Lord? Now we're getting that word Jehovah or Yahweh that we looked at last time, right? I am that I am. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Pharaoh here is showing the pride that is within his heart. When he's met with the truth of who God is, he is saying, who is God that I should change things in my life? And here's a great place for us to look at our own lives. When the Lord speaks to us or reveals things to us within Scripture, what's our response? We see Pharaoh, he says, who is God that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? In Exodus chapter 3 verse 11, Moses, when he's met with God, he says, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Again, family, what's your response when God speaks to you? Are you saying, God, who are you that I should change my life? Or are we saying, Lord, who am I that you would speak to me? Lord, who am I that you would want to use me? We see here the pride that is within Pharaoh's heart that as Proverbs tells us, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Better interpretation for that is the fool says in his heart, no God. Again, who's the ultimate authority within your life? Depending on your level of obedience to God, it's going to show if he truly is the authority in your life or if there are other authorities. If the things that this world tells us, if that's the true authority. If our feelings and emotions, if that's the true authority in our life. Or if we simply say, He is who he is, right? He is Jehovah, he is Yahweh, and now whatever he says, that I will do. Again, Pharaoh, he's looking at, who's this Jehovah? Who's this God? The God of a bunch of slaves? Why in the world would I be obedient to him? 
Why in the world would I let these two million slaves go to a God who has not taken care of them or done anything for them? Verse 3 through 5, it tells us, So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, Why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. Pharaoh, he sees this differently. He sees it as Moses and Aaron, they're just wasting time. They're wasting time in trying to keep the Hebrew people from their job and from their work. That's one way to look at it. Or secondly, Pharaoh, as he's concerned that the Hebrew people are going to have too much free time, that they're going to raise up and pick up arms and defeat the nation of Egypt, they're saying, hey, they have too much free time to be sending Moses and Pharaoh to me. That's two things, the way that Pharaoh responds back to this. Another important note for us is in verse 3, the Lord starts off with asking Pharaoh something so small. The Lord doesn't start off with Pharaoh saying, hey, release all your slaves, let go of them all, send them off with all your money and gold, which is what's going to happen. The Lord starts with something small. He says, hey, let them go a three days journey so that they can worship the Lord. That's all that he has. Again, the Lord would figure it out. The Lord would work it out later to let them free for the rest of their lives. But God asked a small thing from Pharaoh. And yet Pharaoh hardened his heart. And he said, you know what? You guys are just trying to waste my time. I don't know if you've been there yet with your kids. You tell them, hey, go clean your room. And then they start asking you a thousand questions, right? They start telling you how much they love you. Out of nowhere, right? You're thinking, why do you love me so much? Or say, wait a minute. You're just trying to get out of the work and the chores that you're supposed to do, right? That's what Pharaoh saw. Went to a Christian school. Not everybody in Christian schools is Christian. But when it came to prayer requests at the start of classes, the whole class was a bunch of prayer warriors, right? The teachers say, hey, any prayer requests? All 30 hands will go up. Yeah, I got a prayer request, and that would be 20, 30 minutes before class started, right? Because the teacher is going through each prayer request. That's what Pharaoh is thinking is happening here. Hey, you guys are using excuses so that you wouldn't have to work in what I've commanded you to do. Verse 6, so the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. And you shall not reduce it. For they are idle. Therefore they cry out saying let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men that they may labor in it. And let them not regard false words. Again Pharaoh is saying hey you guys have too much free time. I'm going to get rid of all your free time. I'm going to ask you to make the same amount of bricks here. I'm going to take out a very important piece of the brick making process. You guys have to go find this part and still create the same amount of bricks that I expect from you each and every day. I don't know if you've ever worked with concrete before. But this would be as if someone telling you, hey, I want you to make a brick out of concrete. But I'm going to take away the rocks, the aggregate, the mesh. And I want you to still make me a concrete slab that's not going to crack. Right? It's not going to work. You're going to put it in the mold. You pull out the mold and, right? So it's going to flatten out. Same thing here with the bricks. The straw would be in there to hold the clay together. 
And as the bricks would dry up, the straw would release certain chemicals that would make the bricks even harder and tougher. So again, Pharaoh, he says, I'm going to take away your free time. I'm going to make it more difficult. And yet your quota has to be the same. Verse 10 through 14, and the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get yourselves straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and they cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. Some interesting things here. Even within archaeology, the two main cities, Ramses, and right now the other one slips my mind. In chapter 1 that was mentioned for the people of Israel, the two main cities they built, they found bricks that were made instead of with long pieces of straw, with little chopped up pieces of straw all in it. Again, how the word of God is true and all the different things that happen throughout life. It's just pointing out how true and real God is. Secondly, Moses and Aaron, they went up to speak to Pharaoh, but the people of Israel didn't know it yet. And Pharaoh didn't know that the people of Israel hadn't sent Moses and Aaron to speak to them. They were almost going out on their own mission from the word of the Lord. But now these officers, these are Hebrew leaders from the children of Israel. They came and they tried to speak with Pharaoh. They tried to speak with their enemy saying, hey, why are you dealing thus with your servants? Maybe they remember, hey, 80 years ago, the Pharaoh was crazy. He tried to kill all the baby boys. Then he made it even more difficult. We had to throw all the baby boys in the Nile. Man, you, Pharaoh, you haven't been that bad. You just make us work crazy hard. But why are you being so hard and evil with us? Family, I encourage you, whenever the Lord is about to do a new work in your life, whenever you're taking steps of faith to be obedient to God, friction will arise. It just will arise. It's just what is going to happen when you begin to make steps for the Lord in faith. I don't know if you've been there, right? The Lord's been convicting you to start tithing 10%. So you're fighting, you're wrestling, you're sweating, you put that check in. You're checking your bank account to see how quick we actually cash it, right? And once it cashes, right, you're sweating. You say, okay, Lord, I trust you. And the very same day, your transmission blows up, right? And you're saying, Lord, what's going on? I took this step of faith for you, and now this is hitting me right away, right? You're, the Lord has been convicting you, so Lord, I want to wake up early each day and read my Bible. I want to go to bed early so that I could seek you, right? And what do your neighbors do that same night? Biggest pachanga ever, right? Party till four in the morning, and you're saying, Lord, I just wanted to wake up early and seek you. Go, Lord is convicting you, hey, we got to start going on Wednesday night services as a family, no matter what, no matter how hard it gets. What happens that same day? Your boss says, hey, I need you to stay later. Your kids are more cranky than ever. Traffic is worse than ever. And you say, Lord, I tried, but I throw in the towel. I encourage you, family, stick it through. 
Continue to seek the Lord. Don't give up. The enemy, he's fighting a battle against you that he wants to win. He wants to destroy you and own you for all of eternity. So when those moments of friction arise when you're trying to make stands and steps for the Lord, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Continue to be obedient to God. Verse 17. Now Pharaoh answers back these leaders within the Hebrew people. And he says, you are idle. Idle. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work for no straw shall be given you. Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, You shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, (laughs) they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. I don't know if you remember being in middle school or high school, right? Beginning of class, the teacher says there's going to be homework. The whole class, the teacher didn't mention any homework. And then one smarty, right, raises their hand and says, teacher, you forgot to give us the homework, right? And everybody looks at that one kid. That's what happened right here with Moses and Aaron, right? Why, man, why is Pharaoh so hard to us? Why is he getting so mean to us? And as they're walking out of his office, Moses and Aaron are right there. And they're all staring at them, right? It was you guys. You guys are making this so hard on us. Verse 21, and they said to them, let the Lord look on you. And judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servant to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Again, how feelings and emotions, they can change so quickly and so drastically. If we go to Exodus chapter 4, the chapter right before, Exodus chapter 4 verse 30 and 31. After Moses and Aaron speak to the Hebrew people, they show them the signs and wonders that God told them to do. It says Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Again, feelings and emotions... They can change very quickly, family. We can't just go on our feelings and emotions. Again, the Lord is about to do something great and incredible. And now the Hebrew people are looking at Moses and Aaron saying, some kind of leader you guys are, right? Some kind of freedom fighter. You're going to save us from slavery. You're making our slavery even harder than it already is. Verse 22 and 23. So Moses, so important here. Moses returned to the Lord and said Lord why have you brought trouble on this people why is it that you have sent me for since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name he has done evil to this people neither have you delivered your people at all Moses he does some good things here he does some bad things here the good thing is Moses when he's down when people are coming against him he returns to the Lord When Moses is down, when people are against him, he doesn't turn to his own vices, his own emotions, his own pity party. He returns to the Lord. And how he asks the Lord, Lord, what's going on, God? Every time I try to do something to free these people, even more injustice is happening. Things and things are only getting worse the harder and harder I try. And again, it's good because Moses now asks the Lord. He says, God, what's going on here? You told me to do this. Everything's going backwards that I'm trying to get. Lord, what in the world is happening? 
the bad thing here of Moses is he had already forgotten the things that God had told him. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, right? God forewarned him. God didn't want him having any unmet expectations. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, God tells Moses beforehand, but I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. Again, Moses was wrong to forget about what the Lord had already told him, but he did well in asking God about it. Again, family, remember the things the Lord has spoken into your lives. Remember the things that God has told you. Remember the scriptures that the Lord has used to speak into your life. Don't forget those things. That's why it's good to have a journal. That's why it's good to take notes during teachings because you can turn back to those scriptures. However, when things get difficult, don't turn to Google. Don't turn to Netflix. Don't turn to your own vices and emotions. Turn to the Lord. Continue to turn to the Lord. Exodus chapter 6. Verse 1 and 2, then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. A couple things here that are pretty awesome. I don't know if you've ever seen a fight, right? And a guy punches the other guy in the face and the guy just looks back and smiles at him, right? And he says, look what I'm about to do to you, right? You think that's rough? Wait till you see what I'm about to do. Let's let's actually fight now, right? And that's basically what the Lord is telling Moses. We have seen what Pharaoh has done to you guys. Now prepárate, get ready. You're going to see what I am going to do to Pharaoh. That's what the Lord is saying. Another thing for us to look at here is when Moses is down, when he's depressed, when he's sad, when he's saying, Lord, every time I try to do right, Things get worse. How does the Lord encourage Moses? By telling Moses how great he is, how awesome he is. No, the way God encourages Moses is reminding him, Moses, do you remember how great I am? Moses, do you remember how amazing I am? Moses, do you remember the God who you serve? And the same is true for us today. Often we can drown ourselves in anxiety, fear, and depression because instead of looking to God and remembering and encouraging ourselves in the Lord, we're looking to ourselves and we're being reminded how frail and weak we are instead of being reminded, Lord, you are so amazing and you are so awesome. Again, God tells him how great he is. Verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Same words there, right? I am that I am. I am Jehovah. I am Yahweh. F.B. Meyer, he says, when all human help has failed and the soul, exhausted and despairing, has given up hope from man, God draws near and says, I am. Again, oftentimes when we've exhausted all of our resources, We've done all that we can with man, with science, with our networking, with our money, with our plans, and we're tired and exhausted. That's oftentimes when it's quiet enough that we can hear God saying, hey, I'm still here. Remember me? Do you remember me? You look at people within the Gospels, they would run to Jesus and they would say, I've tried everything else. 
The woman with the flow of blood. I've wasted all my money. I've gone to every other doctor. Lord, will you heal me? Right? Wouldn't it be better for us to turn first to God, first to the Lord, and say, Lord, would you do this great thing? Would you do this amazing work? And again, God sees that Moses needs encouragement and that he needs a pep talk. But again, the encouragement and the pep talk is in who God is, not in who we are. Verse 3 through 4, God now begins to remind Moses of who he is. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. That's the, that's the name of God, El Shaddai. But by my name, Lord Jehovah, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. You see, family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they mostly tasted of God, establishing his covenants and making promises. But they had only seen a few of those promises realized. Now God not only wants to bring the promises to pass through Moses, but he wants to have an intimate personal relationship with Moses. What blows me away throughout these chapters, I don't know if you've caught on to it or if you've seen it, but we see it back and forth. Moses said to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses. Moses said to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses. Back and forth. The Lord, he's constantly talking with Moses. And family, that's the relationship that God wants to have with us. He wants to speak into your life and he wants to hear you speaking to him. Again, I hope no parent here only wants their kids to come to them when they're asking for things, right? I hope you don't want your relationship with your coworkers or friends. It's only when they need your help with something. They only need convenience. Hopefully you want someone that actually wants a relationship with you, actually wants to get to know you, actually just is willing to sit down and do nothing and just talk and speak with one another. And that's what the Lord wants to do with us. He wants to do that amazing work. One thing to note here is, as we saw, the, the Hebrew people, they were willing to turn on Moses already. They're saying, Moses, what have you done? You've made this already harder. You've made it more difficult. And the problem within the Hebrew people is that they had become too much like Egypt. And they began to trust in the Egyptian gods versus trusting in their own God. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 20. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So in Ezekiel chapter 20, here we see the nation of Israel and the state of their hearts, the state of their lives. Ezekiel chapter 20, and we'll look at verse 5 through 10. Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 5 through 10, it tells us, Say to them, thus says the Lord God, on the day when I chose Israel and raised my hand in an oath to the descendants of the house of Jacob, I made myself known to them in the land of Egypt. I raised my hand in an oath to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day, I raised my hand in an oath to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands. Then I said to them, each of you, throw away the abominations which are before his eyes, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And they rebelled against me and would not obey me. They did not cast away the abominations which were before their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury on them. 
and fulfill my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for my name's sake, that it should not be profaned before the Gentiles among whom they were, in whose sight I had made myself known to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, I made them go out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. You see here, the Hebrew people themselves, they began to buy into the Egyptian gods. They're just greater than our God. Pharaoh himself, he was seen as a god. He was seen as the son of the sun. That's how the people saw Pharaoh, that he himself was a god. And they began to buy into, Lord, I guess you just can't free us from these people. Their gods are just too strong for us. And family, if we're honest, we do the same thing today. We say, Lord, I know what your word says, but God, I was just born this way. Lord, I know what your word says, but the world says this is okay and this is fine. Lord, I know what your word says, but God, I I can't expect that from my kids. Lord, I know this is what your word says, but Lord, there's no way I can stay single and pure my whole life. Lord, I know this is what your word says, but Lord, how can I not cheat and fudge these numbers, right? Family, when we do things like that, we're saying, Lord, you are not as powerful as X, Y, and Z. Lord, truly, these are the gods that are over you, and you are just simply not strong enough to overcome and take over these things. Family, may that not be us. When things get difficult, when the world tells us certain things are impossible, when the world and this culture tries to put us and force us into a mold, may we be transformed, right? Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, may we be transformed, not conformed to the things of this world. May we say, no, God, you are greater than this world. You are greater than this culture. You're greater than the sins of my nation. Lord, you are greater than the people around me. So, Lord, I will obey. Even if it's tough, even if it's difficult, Lord, I will obey. We go back to Exodus chapter 6, and we'll continue. The Lord, he's continuing to speak to Moses. He's encouraging him. He's loving on him. And again, the grace of God, he didn't just throw Moses out. He just didn't get sick and tired. And sometimes as parents, we do that, right? We ask our kids to help us do something, and they're taking forever to do it. And we say, hey, get out of the way, right? And we do it in two seconds. The Lord, he had the patience to continue to work in and through Moses. Verse 5 through 8, I encourage you, pay attention to the amount of times the Lord is going to say, I will, I am, I'm going to, I have. Pay attention to the amount of times God says that he is the one on the move. Verses 5 through 8. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. The Lord, he's telling Moses, I'm the one that's going to do all the work, man. 
Hey, relax. I'm the one that's going to do it all. These are my plans, my purposes. You're just coming along for the ride. That's what the Lord is telling Moses. And there's seven I wills here that we can also apply to our lives as believers. That if we're struggling with sin, these same seven I wills apply to us. If we're here and we don't know the Lord, we don't have a friendship and relationship with him, these seven I wills apply to us as well. The first one, I will bring you out. God is the one that's going to bring you out of the place that you're in. It's not going to be your own might or your own power. It is the Lord that will do it. I will rescue you from their bondage. How God, he wants to rescue us. Our God wants to give us freedom from sin and shame and the bondage of the enemy. God wants you to walk in freedom. Do you want to walk in that same freedom? That's a question for some of us. If we're honest, some of us, we don't want to walk in that freedom if we're completely transparent. We're not willing to let go of the sin, so now we're walking in bondage. That we're afraid, what if somebody finds out? What if someone catches me? I can't serve in the way I want to serve because I have this way over me. No, the Lord wants to rescue you from that bondage. The next one, I will take you as my people. Sometimes we tell God, Lord, I'm not good enough. Lord, I've sinned too much. Lord, maybe so-and-so, they were goody two-shoes. They really didn't do that much evil. But Lord, you're not going to take me. I'm I'm too disgusting. And the Lord says, no, I want to take you as my people. I want to adopt you as my son. I want to take you as my daughter. Then he says, I will be your God. God is not ashamed of us. You know that? You realize that? He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three men. Filled with mistakes, filled with problems. And he still says, hey, I am their God. And the Lord, he's not ashamed to be said, hey, I'm the God of Zach. I'm the God of fill your name in there. The question for us is, are we ashamed of the Lord? I think so sad, so sick in our relationship with him. More often, we're the ones that are ashamed of him. We're in our lunch break at work. And man, we pray the quickest, quietest prayers ever, right? Lord, thank you for this food. Jesus name, amen. Right? We don't want anyone to find out. Thanksgiving, Christmas, we talk nothing about the Lord. Coworkers, friends, they don't even know that we're a believer because we're ashamed of him. Man, may we be proud of our God because he's not ashamed to be called our God. Then he says, I will bring you into the land and I will give it to you as a heritage. Again, the Lord, he's the one that wants to do all the work in our lives. We just have to be obedient and submit to his authority. Walter C. Kaiser, he tells us each of these verbs are in the Hebrew past perfect tense instead of the future sense. For so certain was God of their accomplishment that they were viewed as having already been completed. You see, God, he's not here talking with Moses and saying, man, wait till you see what's going to happen. He's not here telling Moses saying, hey, do you think I could actually do this? You think I'm capable of this? No, he's saying, Moses, it's already done. I know it's going to happen. Why? Because I'm God. I am that I am. I am Jehovah. So these things will happen. Verse 9. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. It's important for us to be gracious and merciful and kind when we're dealing with people who are going through difficult seasons of life 
Sometimes we can be very cold to our brothers and sisters and not empathize with them, not really weeping with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. If you're praying with someone and they've just lost a family member or loved one, don't come out spraying a bunch of Bible verses and then if they don't get happy right away, slapping them and saying, what's wrong with you, right? Sometimes we can do that. But you see the anguish of their spirit. Their spirits were so tired and exhausted because of the slavery of Egypt, the slavery of their sin, that they weren't willing to heed Moses. And that can happen in our lives now. Should we not give the word of God? No, contrary. We should give even more of the word of God, but you're giving it so that it would be sown for the future. Not right now. Sometimes we talk with people and we're just saying, snap out of it. And sometimes people need to snap out of it, right? But if people are going through these difficult and trying seasons in life, be gracious, be merciful, be loving and kind. Sometimes the best of friends, they just stay quiet and listen, right? How often when you're going through a rough season in life, do you just want someone telling you all the things you've done wrong, all the things you got to do better, right? You just got into a car accident. Don't you just love it? The person sitting next to you starts telling you all the things you could have done to not get in the car accident, right? That's not going to help me at all right now. Thanks. So again, for us to be gracious and kind and merciful. Verse 10 through 12, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Again, the Lord is doing a great work within Moses. Again, how would you feel? You went out doing exactly what God told you to do. It totally blew up in your face. You come back to God and he goes, hey, you know what I told you to do last time? You're like, yeah, Lord. You know how it blew up in your face? Yeah, Lord. Okay, now do it again. That's what he's telling him. Hey, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Okay, Lord, that blew up my face. Nobody likes me anymore. Lord, what should I do this time? Go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go, right? And sometimes the Lord, he's working in us a deeper work of faith. As believers, we're not just supposed to look at if things turned out for good or not good. What we should be looking at is obedience to the Lord. Are we being obedient to God? We can get obsessed with the results and not with the process. And that's in almost everything in life. We shouldn't only be looking at the results when it comes to our obedience and our relationship with God. Because oftentimes the results that we should be seeing are spiritual results. And when we're in the flesh... You're not going to be able to see spiritual results. So again, trust the process. Continue to be obedient to the Lord. Even if you're saying, all right, Lord, I'm walking in faith with you. Moses, he says, man, Lord, last time I tried that, Pharaoh didn't listen to me. The people of Israel didn't listen to me. Maybe it's because of my uncircumcised lips. Maybe it's because I'm a sinful man. Lord, I'm not good enough for this job. Lord, you got to pick someone else. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, Moses started off saying, Lord, I'm not eloquent. Lord, I can't speak to their same level. Lord, it's been 40 years since I was in the Egyptian courts and dealing with all that language. Lord, I'm not smart enough to get there. Now, verse 12, he's saying, Lord, I'm not holy enough to get there. And that's a good place for us to be. Saying, Lord, I'm not holy enough to do X, Y, or Z. I believe the Lord would rather us be there than say, oh yeah, Lord, there's never been a more perfect person for this job, right? That's our pride speaking and that's where we will fall. Someone asks you to serve in a certain place, you don't say, oh yeah, it's right up my wheelhouse. I am the man for the job. Wait till they see what I'm going to do here. 
We should always come into it in humility saying, Lord, who am I, right? How we start off, who am I versus who are you, right? Verse 13, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Family, sometimes the Lord will sit down with us and work out our excuses and work out our weaknesses and work out all our what-ifs. But sometimes he simply just says, do what I commanded you to do. Our God, he does both. The important thing for us to do is be obedient no matter which season of life we're in. If we're not understanding the command, if our emotions are fighting us and telling us, oh, I shouldn't do this. I feel so bad, Lord. I don't feel right. And God is saying, do this. Just got to be obedient to it. The Lord, he doesn't sit down with Moses and plan out things, right? God doesn't make a game plan in the sand and say, okay, it's going to be ten plagues. And then after the ten plague, then we're going to do this. And that's, he says, no, do what I've told you to do. And so often may we be quick to obey the Lord. Again, God, he's doing a deep, deep work within Moses to obey no matter what Pharaoh says, what Aaron says, or even the Hebrew people say. And family, as the Lord is using us to serve in different areas... Don't think that God is just using you as a pawn to do and work over here. And then, okay, exactly what I want him to do, throw him to the side and we're going to keep working here. No, God wants to do a deep work in you. In you this morning, God is wanting to do a deep work inside of you that you're willing to obey him no matter what happens. And that's how we should see our service to the Lord. That's how we should see our relationships with people is that, Lord, you are trying to do a deep work in my heart. Even if you're coming here like every other Sunday. I wake up late on Sunday. I have my brunch. I show up to church at 11, 11.20, right? Then I have service. I head home. I watch the game, take a nap in the second quarter. And then Monday, my work week starts again, right? No, the Lord wants to do a deep work in you this morning. He's trying to grow you in the same ways that he's growing Moses and different people within Scripture. Now here in verse 14, some of us may be saying, how did God sneak this in the middle of the chapter? Usually when I see this in a chapter, I turn the page and I start reading my devos on the next chapter, right? And the Lord, he's doing something special here because in, in our culture, when someone says, who are you and what gives you a right to be here? Usually we point to our education. We point to our job. Or our accomplishments, our hobbies. That's why I deserve to be here. In Eastern culture, or here for the Hebrew people, when they would ask Moses and Aaron, what right do you have to be here? The question they would ask is, who are your parents? Who are your grandparents? What's your lineage? What's your family tree? That's very important in Eastern culture. Within us, I think it just sort of depends on your upbringing. So the Lord, he's going to go through now their genealogy. Verse 14 through 15, these are the heads of their father's house. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, were Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the families of Reuben. And the sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shual, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the families of Simeon. The sons of Levi, these are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations. Gershon. Kohath and Merari. And the years of the life of Levi were 137 years. The sons of Gershon were Libni and Shimi, according to their families. And the sons of Kohath were Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. 
and the years of the life of Kohath were 133. The sons of Merari were Mahli and Mushi. Poor guy. And these are the families of Levi according to their generations. If you were part of the tribe of Levi, later on we'll see the priests came from there. The jobs that you would have would be dependent if you were from Gershon, from Kohath, or Merari. But we'll look at that later on. Hopefully at this point you realize, okay, Moses' parents, they're both from the tribe of Levi. That's why we're going through these crazy names and mushi, right? Verse 20, now Amram took for himself Jochbed, his father's sister, as wife. And she bore him Aaron and Moses, and the years of the life of Amram were 137 years. Again, Moses, he's the one who would hear from the Lord to tell the people, you can't marry close family members. Moses would be the one to say that. Here at this point, apparently the gene pool is so clean and perfect that this wouldn't affect their genetics later on. Verse 21, the sons of Izhar were Korah, Nepheg, and Zitri. And the sons of Uzziah were Mishael, Elzaphan, and Zithri. Aaron took to himself Elishba, daughter of Aminadab, sister of Nashon, as wife. And she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. And here we see the lineage of Moses and Aaron. And the lineage of Aaron will show us the future line of the high priests of Israel. That's why that's important. Verse 24, the sons of Korah were Aser. Elkanah, Abishaph, these are the families of the Korahites. The sons of Korah, they're going to get into a lot of trouble later on in Numbers 16. They're going to basically create a coup and want to come against Moses saying, hey, we're from the tribe of Levi like you. We could lead. We could hear from God just as much as you can hear from God. It ends in a pretty bad way. But when we get to Numbers 16, we'll get through there. Verse 25 Eliezer, Aaron's son, took for himself one of the daughters of Putio as wife, and she bore him Phineas. These are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites according to their families. These are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? Again, depending on our decision making, What's going to rise to the surface is truly who our God is. When we're faced with a decision that we know in the Bible it says it's wrong, we're going to decide, Lord, are you the authority of my life? Or, Lord, is something else the authority of my life, right? It's always funny when people disagree and they say, no, Lord, right? Makes no sense. No commander, no boss, no general. Doesn't make sense. And the Lord, he's continuing to be gracious and kind with Moses. Moses, he seems down in the dumps over his sin. He's realizing how he's not capable of freeing the people of Israel. He realizes that he's not capable of changing Pharaoh's mind. He says, Lord, my lips, what if I misrepresent you? What if I say the wrong things? 
And I think many of us are there. Oftentimes we're afraid to share the gospel because what if I say something wrong? What if I share the gospel and then they ask me a question and I'm just, uh, right, what's going to happen? Then they're never going to want Jesus, right? No, follow the Lord. Seek him. You see, Isaiah, he had similar concerns. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. It tells us, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. One had six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Family, it's good when we come near to God for us to see how sinful we are and how weak we are. It's important to see that. But now what we should not do is just run away. What we should not do is just run back to our sin. What we should not do is just say, okay, Lord, you can never use me because I'm sinful. And Lord, you only use perfect people. Even though that's what we think oftentimes, right? What we should do is what Isaiah does here in verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me. Having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it. And he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Family, this should be our response when we're faced with our sin and weaknesses. When God's trying to do a work within us. It's not just throwing in the towel. It's not just giving up. It's not doubling down on our sin and saying, Lord, you're going to use me in spite of it. It's coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, would you cleanse me from my sin? Lord, would you heal me from my iniquity? Lord, would you do this work? Lord, only you can do this work. And then that we would answer, Lord, here am I. Send me. That we would be willing to obey the voice of the Lord no matter the cost. And we see this is what Moses is willing to do. We go back to Exodus chapter 7. And again, family, I encourage you. The Lord, he speaks to us. It's, he makes it plain and simple. What are the next steps? What is the one thing that's holding me back from growing and maturing in this next step in my walk and relationship with you? And for most of us, that one thing is popping to mind, right? What the Lord would have us do is lay that at his feet this morning. Give that up. Say, okay, Lord, if that's what's holding my progress with you, if that's what's impeding you doing a great work in me, giving me more freedom in life and being able to free others more in life, Lord, I'm willing to give it up. Again, remember, if Moses would give up here with the Lord, he would never get to fellowship with him on the mountain. He would never come down from the mountain glowing. He would never be the one that would talk to God like a friend does face to face. He wouldn't be the one on the Mount of Transfiguration standing next to Jesus. 
He wouldn't be the one during the tribulation who would come back and would speak the truth of God to the last generation here on the planet. Family, don't let your sin hold you back from the things that God wants to do in you. You don't know what you're giving up for the passing pleasures of sin. We go back to Exodus chapter 7. We'll read just one or two verses. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. And you shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of this land. Again, the Lord was going to do a great and mighty work through Moses. Not only was he going to free the nation of Israel, but people were going to come to know Jehovah as the God, right? It all started off with Pharaoh saying, who in the world is Jehovah? I don't have to obey no Jehovah. I do what I want. I am the God here in Egypt. And yet because of the work that God is going to do in Moses and the work that God is going to do, the Lord will use Moses not only to free his people, but later on we'll see when the nation of Israel is leaving Egypt and going to the promised land, it tells us that there was a mixed multitude with them. That means that even some Egyptians saw the work that God did and they said, you know what? That is the true and living God. Let's leave with these slaves that we've owned all these years. Hey, you know what? Let's go and let's leave with them. Again, family, the work that the Lord wants to do. And in us this morning, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're still asking those questions. Lord, who am I versus Lord, who are you? Lord, who are you that I should commit my life? Lord, who are you that I should humble myself? Lord, who are you that I should change my decision making? Lord, who are you that I should give up my Sundays? I don't know if that's where you're at. If you're saying, Lord, who am I that you would want to speak to me? Lord, who am I that you would want to save me, that you would want to love me, that you would want to bestow your grace and mercy on me? Lord, I've sinned so many times. Lord, I've stabbed you in the back so many times. Lord, who am I that you would still want to be gracious and merciful to me? I don't know where you're at. Or maybe you're like Moses and you're doing the math, right? Am I willing to give up these sins? Lord, do you really want to do that work in me? Lord, I, I'm not clean. I'm not pure. I'm not holy. Lord, do you really want to do that work in me? 